So when I was uh, 20 years old, which admittedly was a long time ago, uh, but when I was 20, I was actually hired uh, by a church uh, to work part-time for them to oversee uh, their student community. I mean, they were just looking for a guy uh, who, who could come to them part-time that was in college, uh, that was exploring a call into leadership. They couldn't really af afford a full-time student pastor. And so I was in college, and I uh, was exploring a call into ministry. And so it was just like this perfect fit. And so it worked out really well. And uh, I, I, I was brought on board, and I started working with the lead pastor there to kind of create this calendar of events uh, to help grow our student community. And so we put it together and we come up to our first event, which was a concert at a nearby city. And so I start to, to work to kind of promote this concert and to get students to sign up, several students sign up, and I'm working with uh, the event coordinators uh, to get all the logistics kind of figured out uh, for, for this event. And uh, they tell me, they're like, hey, just go ahead and bring all of your students, all your high school and middle school students, and uh, you'll meet us to the front of the building, and then we'll get you checked in and ready to roll. I'm like, okay, that, that, that makes sense and, and works out pretty well. And so we get ready to go, and, and admittedly, when I was 20, I had what many called a baby face. I just looked a lot younger than, than what I really was, and so I'm taking middle school and high school students there with us. We get there, we get to the event, and uh, begin to check in at the front desk. I meet the lady working there, and I say, hey, we're, we're from such and such church, you know, uh, can you get, check us in and get us ready to go? And she, she just kind of looks at me and smiles, and is like, hey, I'm so glad that you are here, but we need your leader to check you in. We just can't check in high school students. And I'm like, well, no, I, I'm the leader. And she's like, I don't think you are. And, and so I, I actually had to pull out my ID and show her my age and to show her that I was the leader who I said I was, you know, to let us let, you know, go in. And I have high school students with me. And so, of course, they're just mocking me the whole time. They're like, oh, yeah, you look so young. Like, we look older than you. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Just knock it off. You know, like, you know, and, and so I went in that night and I'm just embarrassed. I'm like, come on, come on. And so I got home after the whole event. It was, you know, good night. I'm, I'm like, okay, I need to do something. And so that night, I made a life-changing decision. I'm like, you know what? I got this flaw. I got my baby face. You know, I've heard of older people making themselves look younger. I can make my young-looking face look older. And so I said, I'm going I'm to go ahead. I'm going to make myself look older by growing some facial hair, which led to probably my greatest regret of my 20s. And here, and here it is right there, the chin goatee. <laughs> yes, thank you. You know, I, I put that in. I'm like, this is going to cover up my flaws. And, and no one had the heart to tell me for several years, actually. No, dude, you, you created a new flaw with that. But I thought I was covering up my, my baby face. And, and people mock me now for that, but we should. But uh, you know, I thought, man, this is just a great way to cover up that type of flaw. Now, the reality is many of us, most of us, we have flaws, and our flaws are more significant than what's on or what's not on our, our face. So, you know, we, we see some serious imperfections in our lives. And this is why we even come up with phrases when you or I or someone, you know, we know and love makes a mistake. It's why we say things like, well, nobody's perfect, you know, because we all have flaws. We've all done something. We've all made mistakes. And, and the reality is, as quick as we're to acknowledge that nobody's perfect, we don't like to acknowledge our flaws. In fact, we'll just kind of, you know, pretend that they're not there. We'll kind of ignore them. We'll kind of try to cover them up a little bit because we just think we're better off if we just ignore our flaws. And the reason why that is, is we don't like to talk about our flaws. We're just more comfortable just ignoring them there because when we look at our flaws and when we acknowledge that they're there, we kind of wonder, well, 
nothing good can really come from these, right? Like, I mean, they're, they're flaws. No good can come from them at all. And it's because of that we're kicking off this brand new series today called Flawed, the Making of a Hero. And at first glance, when we see these two words, flawed and hero, we're like, eh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure those two words can go together. And, and the reason why that is, is that if you're like me, when you hear the word hero, your mind goes to superheroes. Like, I, I just, I personally, I just love growing up and watching uh, the superhero movies. Like, I, I grew up and watched uh, um, the, the Michael Keaton Batman movies, and I thought those, those were just so, so good. Yeah, I just fell in love with Batman and just watched everything Batman growing up. And then in high school and college, Tobey Maguire came along and recreated Spider-Man. And, and I, still, I still think Tobey did it best. You know, others have tried since Tobey. Tobey's been the best Spider-Man. And then after that, you had the Christopher Nolan Batman movies with Christian Bale as Batman. And I think some of those are just some of the best movies kind of put together. Dark Knight is just really incredible. And then the Avengers. You know, they, they've just been dominating the box office for, for years. In fact, this weekend, you're opening up uh, with Endgame, and everyone's wondering, hey, how are the Avengers going to overcome a snap? You know, and they're just trying to pack the theaters and, and, and just see all of that. And we love the superheroes. But as we watch superheroes, one of the things we just begin to wonder is, I'm not going to be like a superhero. The superheroes are anything like, not like me. In fact, if we just uh, even look at some superheroes, you know, we see Thor and Aquaman and Captain America, and if we get real honest with ourselves, guys, <laughs> there are reasons why our wives and our girlfriends like watching these movies with us. You know, they just go, and we look at them, and we're like, wow, they look anything but flawed. And so that's why we look at our imperfections, our flaws, all of our inadequacies, and we're like, yeah, that's why flaws and heroes, they don't go together. But as we go throughout the series, one thing that we hope that we would all experience is this big idea as we go through the series is that God actually wants to take flawed people, take you and me, and turn them into heroes. He wants to take our flaws. And for many of us, our flaws was a moment or a mistake that maybe we made a long time ago. And we look at that, and maybe we consider that moment one of our greatest regrets. Like, if we could just go back in time and have a do-over, we would do it. And maybe the, the memories of those moments, they still haunt us. Or maybe we're still de dealing with the consequences of those moments. But th that would be a flaw. And for others of us, our flaws might be our relationships. You know, we thought we were going to have this great, perfect relationship, and then all of a sudden, a flaw just kind of sneaks into it. Maybe it's with our significant other. And, and we thought, oh, this person, they were the one. And now, they're the one that we just fight with. Or maybe it's with our kids. We had this great dream of having kids. And then that dream turned into a nightmare, and it got flawed. Still others of us, our flaws are maybe more personal. And maybe there's this addiction or this bad habit or this sin that we're just trying to kick to the side, but it won't go to the side. It keeps coming back, and it keeps impacting us and keeps impacting those relationships around us. And we say, well, that's a flaw. And it's because of those flaws we don't really believe the second half of the statement, that God wants to take flawed people and turn them into heroes. But here's what we mean by a hero. A hero... It's just a person who is known for their courageous and their selfless acts. 
And we can even add this about a hero, that they do this and they don't even want to be known for the courageous and selfless acts. Like they just do this because this is just what heroes do. They don't want to be known for being a hero. They just want to live their lives for, for God and for other people and just say, you know what, I'm just living my life to make a difference in those around me. That's just what I do. It's not to be known as a hero. But as we look at any stories of heroes, whether they're super or not, one thing we want to keep in mind is that they didn't always start off being a hero. There's a story behind it. There was a journey and a process that turned them into a hero. And so let's put our big idea back up. God wants to take flawed people and turn them into heroes. That if we allow God, he can actually take us on this journey, our flaws and all, and he can begin to transform us into someone who is known for our courageous and our selfless acts. And so for the next several weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to go on a journey together that we will allow God to do this. And the way that we're going to do this is we're going to look at an example that happened thousands of years ago where God took a very flawed individual and he turned him into a hero who made a difference into many people around him. And this individual, we're going to look at his life story. We're going to look at everything that happened um, in, his, in his story. This individual is actually talked about in the Bible so much. In fact, the only person who has talked more about him in the Bible was Jesus. And this individual was considered a hero by many. And this man, his name is David. And David is probably also better known as King David of Israel. And back then, for ancient Israel, David was considered this very significant hero for many. In fact, there's this very cool compliment given to David um, uh, throughout the Bible. And, and this compliment is that David was a man after God's own heart. I mean, many just kind of held David in this very high regard as a hero. But when we look at his life, what we'll discover is that David was actually not a religious superhero. David was actually a very flawed man. He had very heroic moments, but very flawed moments as well. And what's going to be so encouraging to see is that God used him still in spite of his flaws. And so our hope is as we go through David's story, we could actually find our story to kind of intersect uh, with, with David's story. And so David, he's probably best known for defeating Goliath and probably just as well known as being one of the greatest kings of Israel. And those are important highlights in his story. We're going to look at that later in the series. But today, we're actually going to get started with the very beginning of David's story. And what we'll discover is that David was actually the most unlikely choice uh, to, to be our hero. Others would have just passed right over David. But what we'll discover is that David actually had the most important aspect uh, that, that God uses to take flawed people and to transform them into heroes. And so, if you have a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, you can actually uh, download one on your phone. Just pull out your phone and go to the App Store and just type in YouVersion Bible app, and, and you'll be able to download that. It's a great free app that allows you to take the Bible with you wherever you go, which is pretty cool. Uh, but if you're like, hey, I don't read the Bible because the Bible's boring, I want to encourage you to read through 1 Samuel, and here's why. 1 Samuel is anything but boring. It's just full of these fascinating and engaging stories that lead up to our guy, David. Now, before we jump into David's story, there's some background information that we have to keep in mind to kind of give us the proper context. And so if we back up about 40 years before David was born, we'll see that God has this unique relationship with this nation known as ancient Israel. 
And, and what's unique about Israel is they had this special agreement with God. Where all the other nations around Israel, they, they were led by, by their kings. Israel had no king. In fact, they were to view God as their king. Where they had this agreement that God would lead them and that they would follow them and God would bless them as a result. And so they would just listen to God and do what he would say. And one of the ways that God led the nation of Israel was he would put leaders in place to speak for God, known as judges. Now, throughout history, there were some good judges and there were some bad judges throughout the nation of Israel. And, and so uh, they, they went through kind of a period of up and down of, of different judges. And now Samuel has come along and Samuel is this good judge that, that is leading them up until the time of David. Now, Samuel, he, he's known for doing these very, very good things for the nation of Israel. He's helped them out. They're following God because of that. But a lot of the good things he has done, it was done early on in his life. And as we get closer to the, the beginning of David, Samuel becomes old. And many of the people of Israel, they forgot what, Dave, or they forgot what Samuel has done. And as a result, uh, they're, they're, they're starting to kind of like you know, get tired of Samuel. So Samuel, he makes this one decision to put his sons in charge of, of Israel. And he appoints his sons to be judges. Well, that didn't work out very well because his sons, they actually, uh, um, they, they disobeyed God and they took advantage of people and they took advantage of the positions uh, of being judges and they accepted all these bribes. And so it didn't work out for them to be judges. And so the nation of Israel, they come together to Samuel and they say, hey, Samuel, it's time for a change. And here's the change that they want. They said to Samuel, they said, hey, Samuel, you're old which is a great way to start a conversation. You know, like, hey, hey, Samuel, you're old and your sons do not follow your ways. So now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. And this is the change they want. They say, Samuel, we no longer want God as our king. We now want a human king to lead us. And they give these few reasons why they want this. You know, they, they tell Samuel, hey, you're old and your sons are no good. But here's the real reason, the main reason why they want a king. Everybody else has a king. They're like that middle school student, you know, who shows up and they say, hey, you know what, all our friends, they have these clothes, they have these shoes, you know, so mom, dad, get me these clothes, get me these shoes. That's exactly what the nation of Israel is doing. People throughout all of history have wanted to do the popular thing. And so like, here's the popular thing. Let's have a human king. So, so Samuel, give us a human king rather than let God be our king. And by saying this, they are in their way turning their backs on God. And it breaks Samuel's heart because he realizes that they are turning their backs on God. So he gets alone with God, and he prays to God, and, and he's, just, he's just so upset with this request. But God tells Samuel, he's like, hey, here's what I want you to do. Give them what they want. You know, give them a king, but before you do that, warn them about what a king can do to them. And so Samuel tells the, the nation of Israel, he's like, okay, guys, let's, we, we can give you the king, but here's what a king is going to do. A king can tax you. A king can take advantage of you. A king uh, can force you to fight in his army when you don't want to do that. Like, like a king is not all that it's cracked up to be. But they're like, we don't care. Give us a king. And so God gives them what they want. And he says, okay, go ahead and find a king. And so they're on their search to find the very first king of Israel. And back then, when you looked for a king, there was only one thing that you kept in mind. That was Hey, what does their outward appearance look like? 
And so for them, the only thing they were looking for is if a guy is tall and handsome. So obviously, I'd be a great candidate to be king. You know, like, yeah, it'd work out. Yeah, thanks. Uh, but they're looking for someone who, who's very tall, very handsome, and they find their guy. They find this guy named Saul. And Saul, he becomes the very first king of Israel because Saul is tall, dark, and handsome. So obviously, he has what it takes to be a king. Well, it actually, it works out for a little while. He's actually kind of a good king to start off. But then over time, Saul has these flaws that begin to expose themselves. And we discover that he actually is very angry. He does not handle criticism well at all. And he begins to make some rash decisions. In fact, he makes a series of decisions where he just kind of makes his own decisions without even consulting God or asking for wisdom. And what it leads to is disaster after disaster. And then ultimately, he makes this one decision that's kind of like the proverbial straw that just breaks the camel's back, so to speak. And he just goes out there, and he just publicly disobeys God. And he leads the nation of Israel to do the same. And God sees that happen, and he's like, okay, I have had enough of Saul the king. And so he tells Samuel, who's still judge at this time, he's like, okay, we need to make another change. And here's what happens. Samuel said to Saul, he said, I will not go back with you. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. So as Samuel turned to leave, and this is kind of a symbol of, of him leaving as God's you know, blessing over his kingdom uh, is leaving with him. Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe. He's trying to hold on to it and say, no, stay with me, stay with me. But it tore. And this is like a symbol of what's going to happen to Saul and his kingdom. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. And so the story of Saul just ends drastically, where God rejects him as the king. And Samuel's watching this all play out, and he just begins to, to wail and to cry and to mourn again, because he's mourning for the nation of Israel. He's like, we've lost our king, and I'm old as a judge. And all the nations around us, they're our enemies, and they are stronger than we are. I don't know what's going to happen to the nation of Israel. I don't know what's going to happen next. And so he gets alone, and he's panicking, and he's worrying, and he's upset. And God calls out to him and says, well, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil, and this is going to be a symbol that we're going to look at in just a moment, and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have chosen one of his sons to be king. God's like, things are going to change again. There's going to be a new king. And this king isn't the people's choice. It's my choice. And this person has exactly what I'm looking for. And so he sends, uh, he sends uh, Samuel out to Bethlehem with this horn of oil, which the horn of oil is going to be used to do this special ceremony called anointing, which anointing is just the special ceremony that when you put oil on someone's head, it's their way of saying, you're going to be set apart and you're going to do something special for God. And so he takes this horn and he goes to Bethlehem. And he's going to put together this worship service where a lot of people are going to come together. They're going to worship God together. And God tells Samuel, he's like, there's going to be this man named Jesse. And Jesse's going to show up with a bunch of sons. And one of his sons is going to be the guy that I'm going to choose to be the next king of Israel. And so Samuel goes and he does this. They're at the ceremony. Jesse and his boys show up. And Samuel, he's just beginning to look at them and he's eyeing them up. And one of them catches his eyes. And here's what happens. When they arrived, 
Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. Now, the reason why he's thinking this is he looks at Eliab. We discover later that Eliab is tall, dark, and handsome. He looks the part. And he also, we, we discover, is that he's actually a part of Saul's army. So not only does he look the part, he's actually got the right resume. Like, like he's got all the things kind of put together. Like it's like, clearly, this is the right candidate to be king. And so Samuel gets ready to anoint him to be the next king of Israel. And before he does, God steps in. And the Lord said to Samuel, hey, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. He's like, I don't care that he's tall, dark, or handsome. You know, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And God is telling Samuel, he's like, hey, hey, I know that he looks great, but I see something about him that, that you don't see and that no one else sees. I see his character. And if you read later on about Eliab, we discover that Eliab's actually a very negative He's very divisive, uh, very critical. In fact, he looks down on his younger brothers, and he has this character that, that is not good. And, and this is what God's just kind of reminding us of, is like, hey, if, though he looks great on the outside, it's his character that's going to bring him down. And I know many of us, we've experienced this happen. Maybe it's someone that we worked with or maybe someone in our family that it looks so good on the outside, like right resume, right personality, you know, right looks, like everything looked good and everything looked so good on the outside. But then it was that individual's character that, that brought them down. And we're going to come back to this mo idea in a moment. But Eliab is not to be king. And so then Samuel moves on to the next one. And Jesse called his son Abinadab, and he had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, hey, the Lord has not chosen this one either. And we don't know why God didn't choose Abinadab, what, what, what reason he's not supposed to be king, but for whatever reason, he's not supposed to be king. And so Samuel looks at him and passes on him, and then the next son comes, and he passes on him, and he passes on the next one, the next one. All of these sons are there, and, and he keeps passing on them. And it reaches to this point where we are then introduced to our hero. Now, this is not a grand entrance for, for our hero. I mean, this is no, like, Star-Lord, Guardians of the Galaxy type entrance, which is really the coolest entrance, you know, in, in, in any movie. But, but this guy, this is like the lowliest entrance that you can have for, for a hero. Here, here's how we're introduced to our guy. Samuel asked Jesse, hey, are these all the sons that you have? Like, is there anyone that you forgot about? Like, like, let me know, you know? But Jesse tells him, hey, there is still the youngest. And youngest literally means runt of the litter. Great introduction. In fact, he is tending the sheep. He's a shepherd. And a shepherd back then was considered the lowliest job in all of society. Like, you weren't considered to have any personal value if you were a shepherd. And so he's like, yeah, we still, have, we still have another son, but he's the runt of the litter, and, and, and we didn't feel like he was even worth to bring around here. We thought his only value was to go out and to tend the sheep and to take care of the sheep. Like, so that, that's why we didn't bring him here. Well, Samuel said, send for him because we will not sit down until he arrives. He's like, I want to see him. And so our hero, David, he's actually out in the field protecting the sheep, 
just watching over them. He has no idea what's going on. He has no idea that God's going to anoint a new king. All he knows is that someone is coming out to him, calling out in the field, and saying, Hey, David, your dad wants you. And so he grabs him out of the field. He takes him back to this worship service. And here's what the author tells us happens. The Lord said to Samuel, Rise and anoint him, because this is the one. And so Samuel took the horn of oil, and he anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And we can kind of imagine how the scene is playing out. David comes to the service. He's probably the age of a middle school boy. And he smells like sheep. Has no idea what's going on. But he sees this man. And he's obviously a religious leader. He's obviously older. But you could tell he's well-respected. And he just comes over to David. And he begins to put the oil on his head. This special ceremony that says, You are going to be set apart and do something special for God. And many believe what Samuel did is that he actually went to David and whispered in his ear, one day you will be king of Israel. And you can just imagine David just thinking, what? (laughs) Me? I'm the runt of the litter. I'm the shepherd. I'm a nobody. Why would I be king? And what we learn from this interaction is that God saw something in David that no one else, not even his own dad saw. But what God saw in David was the most important aspect of what God would use to take any flawed individual and turn them into a hero. And what we discover from this story is that when it comes to the making of a hero, God's going to start with what's going on the inside rather than the outside. That when it comes to the making of the hero, when it comes to taking anyone who's flawed and transforming them into someone who's going to make a difference to those around them, God's going to start with what's going on in here. Because this is what's most important. And this is God's way of saying, you know what, I, I know you consider him the runt. I know you consider him the shepherd. I know you consider him a nobody. But there's some qualities going on inside of him that I'm going to work with all day long. And the good news for us is that there's some qualities that David had that we can have regardless of what's going on outside of us. And so here's what was going on inside of David. First thing was was that David was faithful to God. We we, we heard earlier that that, uh, um, David was spoken of as a man after God's own heart. And what that means is that he just really took uh, knowing God and following God and made it a priority in his life. He wanted to listen to God and do whatever God said. And so if God said, hey, go to the right, he'd go right. If God said stop, he would stop. Um, he, He would just be faithful to God and just make it a priority to listen to God. Now, David wasn't perfect. He was very flawed. But what that means is he would admit when he was wrong, he would care about what God cares about, and he'd become concerned about what uh, God was concerned about. And he wasn't just faithful. He also had humility. And humility is just this you before me. It's you before me. It's this idea of, hey, I'm going to be a servant. And I think it's this way of recognizing, like, God doesn't care if you have a great personality or great charisma. This is just Hey, I care if you're a servant or not. Like, if, if you're going to have a servant's heart. Because when you're a servant, you don't rebel against the person you are serving. You don't care about who gets the recognition. You don't care about who gets the glory. You just care about, hey, is the person I'm serving look better because I'm serving them? 
And that's what David did. David would serve in the lowliest way possible. He'd go and be a shepherd, and he would do that as a way to serve his dad and to serve his family. And so he was a servant. And then the other quality that David had was that David also had integrity. And I've once heard integrity being defined as just being bone-deep honest. It's who you are when no one else is looking at you. And David, at this time, had this very high level of integrity. And we know this because of what he did as a shepherd. When he was a shepherd, uh, that would often have his flock attacked by, by different bears or different lions. And no one would blame him if he would have ran away and let his uh, flock be attacked and he'd save his own life. But we read that he actually protected the, the sheep in such high regard that he would fight the bears and the lions to death just to protect them. And he's like, this is my way. If, if, if I would have saved my life, I would have lost my integrity. And so he had this high level of integrity. And, and this is the most fascinating thing about David's story, is that he was so faithful about the small things because of what's going on inside of here that God knew that it would allow him to be faithful in the big things. And so as we go on this journey to look at this life, of this flawed man who is also a hero, I want us to start by asking ourselves this question. Hey, if we could see inside of you, what would we see? If we could look at what's going on inside of here, what would be some of the qualities that, that we would find? Is our heart, is it like David's heart? Would we find humility, integrity, and faithfulness? And I want us to get real honest with ourselves about the answer to this question. And as we begin to answer this question, I hope that it would lead us into just making this uh, prayer, our prayer, as we uh, start each day this week. That we just say, hey, God, would you just take my heart and would you turn it into one that is faithful, humble, and full of integrity? God, would you just go to work in me in the inside? Because this is the most important aspect about being a, a, a hero. God, would you just start in here? Because I know when you start in here, it's going to impact what's going on outside of here. And when we do this, God will take us, flaws and all, and turn us into heroes. You know, one of the most humbling things that I get to do every week is I get to come uh, to all of our churches and all of our campuses, and I just get to see this play out um, over and over and over again as we watch our team members just serve in all of our different environments and all of our different teams. Uh, in fact, uh, a couple weeks ago, I heard about the story of this individual named Mike. And Mike serves in one of our Ridge Kids uh, preschool environments. And during the week, Mike is a, is a fire inspector, and Mike is this big, burly guy. Like, if you look at him, you wouldn't think, hey, that's a guy that's great with preschoolers. But he loves it. And, and, and he, he just wanted to come in and serve and make a difference. And so each week, he shows up in that preschool room, and he's just faithful, and he's humble. He's just ready to serve. He's like, you know what? I'm, I'm here for the kids. I want to help the kids. And each week, we just see a bunch of uh, small preschoolers just run up to him, give him big hugs, and say, Mr. Mike, Mr. Mike. And, and they just can't wait to tell him about their, their week. And, and that's because Mike is just faithful and humble and there to serve. And then we hear a story about another lady. Her, her, her name's Rachel, and Rachel's a single mom of three. And she has, you know, just so much going on as she takes care of her boys and does a great job taking care of her boys. And if we would look at her life, we'd say she has every reason to, to not serve and to not make a difference because there's just so much going on and so much involved in taking care of her boys. But each week she shows up 
faithful, humble, full of integrity. She leads our starting point groups, and she actually develops leaders to also lead more starting point groups so more people can go through starting point, which starting point is just a group where, where individuals can come and have open conversations about faith. And there are many that have come through starting point and have interacted with her and, and met with her, and it's like, wow, so faithful, so humble, such a person of integrity. That person has become a hero to me. And the thing is, those are just two out of hundreds of team members that come to all of our campuses that just show up week after week after week. And none of us are perfect. All have flaws. But just say, you know what? We're going to try to be as faithful as we can, humble as we can, and show up with this level of integrity as we can to make a difference. And as a result, hundreds and thousands of people are impacted every single week. And so, would you go on a journey with us? As we look at this life of this very, very flawed man that allowed God to work inside of him, to allow God to turn him into a hero and to make a difference for others. And maybe, quite possibly, when we go on this journey together, God will do the same thing with you and with me, where he'll take us, flaws and all, and turn us into heroes. Now, next week, you're going to want to be here as we look at how we can overcome our biggest obstacle into becoming a hero. Uh, But right now, uh, let me pray for us. God, it's just so easy to see all the imperfections and all the faults and all the flaws that are inside of us. And God, it's so easy to see the, the stuff that we wouldn't consider good as a result of them. But God, right now, we just want to go on this journey together, and God, we just ask that you would just do your work, that you would transform us, that despite our flaws, we could be a hero, because God, we hope that it would make a difference for those around us. God, we thank you that going on this journey is even possible, and the only way it's possible is through your son, Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.